Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's up, all? Welcome in to Sal Sports Live. Thank you for joining me here. Also on the Sal Sports and Stuff podcast. Of course, we do this on the internet, on live, web stream, however you want to call it, every Thursday night, 730. But tonight... We're on a little bit earlier, 7 o'clock tonight. There's a couple of reasons for that. I got a couple of things going on myself, but actually part of the other reason is because uh, my guest tonight, who's supposed to join me here in just a couple of minutes, uh, Greg Bell out of Seattle, because the Seahawks are on Pacific time, of course, and because they're out West, they are uh, going to be having, you know, they have a different schedule than what you might see, you know, in Buffalo. So I want to make sure I get Greg because he's got to do some media stuff out there. So it kind of worked out that way. And then they have Seahawks media coming up at 4.30 Pacific and 7.30 Eastern time. So if you're coming along here on the Sal Sports and Stuff podcast right now and you're like, hey, why is Sal on at 7 o'clock instead of 7.30? That's why. And if you're listening on the Sal Sports and Stuff podcast that I've already kind of turned around into the audio, thank you very much for that. And we're going to have plenty of Seahawks and Bills talk for you because this is a big game for the Buffalo Bills. It's a big game for Seattle too, I would say, because – you know, they are trying to, they're trying to stay atop the NFC. They're trying to stay with the number one seed. And in fact, right now, if you look at the NFC, the Seahawks have the number one seed. They would get the bye. The Bills actually are in the number three seed right now. It would be Pittsburgh number one, Kansas City number two, the Bills number three. If the season ended today, and of course it doesn't, <laughs> the Bills would be hosting the Indianapolis Colts as far as uh, and on the uh, first playoff round. So a lot of football to be played. This is game number nine. We are eight games into a season here for the Buffalo Bills. They have a bye week in a couple weeks. They have a couple NFC West opponents here. You got the Seahawks. And then, of course, you got the Arizona Cardinals coming up next week out in Arizona. For the Bills to get this one, there are a lot of things that they have to do right. This is not an insurmountable opponent, but it's a very, very tough opponent, of course. Anytime you have a team coming in at 6-1, and one, you got Russell Wilson playing at an MVP-type level right now for the Seattle Seahawks. You have DK Metcalf. You have Tyler Lockett. I mean, pick your poison here as far as who's going to be who's going to beat you throwing the ball. Here, pick your poison. Pick your you know player or whatever scheme that you want to employ to be able to stop the Chiefs, uh, to stop the Seahawks. Excuse me, I said the Chiefs for a reason because I feel like the Bills might actually go back to that kind of game plan on defense, which is keep everything in front of you. Don't get beat deep. The Seahawks will love, they would love to go over the top of the Bills. They'd love to throw it to DK Metcalf. They'd love to throw it to Tyler Lockett. And then DK Metcalf, of course, is also really, really tough with the ball in his hands. Once he catches the ball, he's tough to bring down. The Bills have to tackle this week. And uh, 
Yes, Joe's cleaning lady, as it says right there, says tackle. There you go. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you your your props there, Joe, on the screen. Even though, yeah, Joey's cleaning lady. All right, thanks, Joey's. I appreciate. See, I, I don't know whether to put some of your people on the screen or not with some of your screen names, but that was pretty good. But he's right. He's right. You have to be able to wrap up. You have to be able to tackle. As Chris says, this could be a shootout. Uh, there's Chris right there, Chris Spencer. This could be a shootout. I agree. Uh, this could be a game that we see into the 30s for both teams. The over-under right now is 57 and a half. You know, that's actually, if it stays right there, that's the largest over-under uh, in the history of a Buffalo Bills game because that was the over-under for the Chiefs game, but by the time it got to game time, it actually went down because of weather and things like that. The Bills have very rarely in their history had games that climbed into the even mid-50s as far as over-unders. And this one right now at 57 or 57 and a half, I think, depending on exactly, you know, where you're looking. So, um, all right. Yep. I want to make sure I send a, I'm going to get a message here from, from Greg, from Bell, Greg and, uh, Greg Bell. That's his name actually. So I will send him, uh, I have to resend him, uh, the link here and now he's got it. Okay. He's going to be joining me soon. Sorry. We're doing live stream here and Greg's going to be joining me here in just a second. So I'll get with him. All right. So the other thing I want to tell you though, about this game, I went and I did actually, um, did some stats and looked at the big pass plays that the Seahawks have had and how the Bills have defended some things this year. This is pretty crazy to think about. The Seahawks actually are second in the NFL with six pass plays of 40 yards or more, six of them. The Bills lead the NFL with only allowing one pass play of 40 yards or more. And that was that one pass play, Jamison Crowder, week one, catching it right off the line of scrimmage breaking up a couple tackles. Tremaine Edmonds gets hurt on the play. He goes for a touchdown. Other than that, the Bills have not allowed one pass play this entire season of over 40 yards. So we know that the Seahawks are going to want to go to the big play, but we also know the calling card of a Sean McDermott defense and a Leslie Frazier defense has been not allowing that big play. And I'll go back to the Kansas City game a few weeks ago. The Bills did a great job of taking away Tyree Kill. They did a great job of forcing Patrick Mahomes to just kind of take what he gave, they gave him. He only threw for 220-something yards. Yes, he was, he was efficient, but he didn't have a Mahomes-type game. But what did the Seahawks do? I'm sorry, what did the Chiefs do? They ran all over the Bills because the Bills invited them. I would think here the Bills would choose if they could, to have the Seahawks run as much as possible and not have Russ Cook, so to speak, not have Russell Wilson throw to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and beat them that way. I think that's what the chess match is going to be here between these two teams. So right now, I'm going to bring in my special guest, and it is Greg Bell. Uh, Greg joins me from out in Tacoma, out in the Seattle region, and um, he covers the Seahawks. So we appreciate him joining the show. Greg, thanks a lot. I really appreciate you doing this tonight. Hi, Sal. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much. Um, thanks, for the, thanks for the weather I'm about to dry, fly into, by the way. I've, no problem. I, I went to school in New York State. I know what it can be like in November. I have friends in Frewsburg. I, no oh, way. Wow. It's gonna be 65 and sunny. Okay, so wait a minute. Wait, let's talk about this for a second. First of all, where did you go to school? I went to West Point, military academy. In oh, okay, all right. Thank you for your service. Thank you very much. Um, and then also, Frewsburg, that's interesting. So that's where Shane Conlon went to sc high school. That's right. Obviously, that's he went right. to State, became a Buffalo Bill. Yeah. Um, so Paul Webb, the Webb family down in uh, Lake Chautauqua and Frewsburg are friends very much with Shane Conlon. I went to school with a guy who knows him very well. 
Very nice. So I'll tell you my own personal experience with Frewsburg. Um, my junior year in high school, we had to drive two hours down there and actually won against them for my, I played at the stadium where the Bills play now, which was then Rich Stadium. That was the game to get there. That was the semifinal to get to the championship, which was pretty cool. So I'm very familiar with it. And I appreciate you doing that. And by the way, yes, you did hit the Buffalo November weather lottery. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> I'll tell you, Sal, the Seahawks are pretty relieved about it. Carol's mentioned it a couple times how fortunate they are. He's, of course, coached there times. He was a Bills assistant way back when he started his NFL career. So he knows what it can be there. There's no doubt. Yeah, 1984, they were 2-14. and 14. On the conference call, I asked him about that. I said, what do you remember about that? He said, I remember it was short-lived. We were horrible. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, interestingly enough, they had a guy named Greg Bell on the team. Which yes, was they the did. A running back from Notre Dame, one yep. And then uh, playing for the Rams after the Bills. That's right. That's yeah, right. that's right. He was involved in the Bennett trade. Um, by the way, we still believe in fall. This is a uh, this is a um, a, a shirt, a hoodie that uh, our morning show host Jeremy White. Uh, he's a part of fall is elite in there, Buffalo, right there. If you can see that right there, we love showing that off because it goes to a great cause. So I want to show it off and wear it on the Good program here uh, tonight. Good, thank you for doing that. Yeah, fall is you. elite, and winter is well, winter is something else. There, I know. Yeah, no kidding, no doubt. All right, so let's get into. Um, the good with Seattle first, and I'll get to some ways that maybe, uh, you know, there might be concern over there, but Russell Wilson, I mean, people want him to cook. He is cooking this year, Greg. Tell us what's made him so special. Probably the MVP right now of the league. Well, you're right, Sal. He's been each week. He's been knocking on the door of Peyton Manning and or Tom Brady's record for most touchdowns through X number of games. He needs four touchdowns Sunday to tie Brady's record. Uh, he's got 26 now through seven games. They're throwing way more on first down than they used to, Sal. This team used to just be Pete Carroll style, would be to grind it out with Marshawn Lynch type of running game and even Chris Carson the previous years and then rely on their defense and field position. Well, they obviously can't rely on their defense anymore. And so they are having Wilson throw earlier on first downs. They're beyond the number of – they've already passed the half as many first down throws as they had the entire season last year, and they've only played seven games. So they're way ahead of their pace – throwing early and downs, and it's worked. And their offensive line is much improved, Sal, over the previous years. They let Jermaine Effetti's contract end, the former first-round pick at right tackle. They brought in Brandon Webb. Bills fans, remember, played for the Jets. And Webb is just more athletic and quicker outside to stop edge rushers. And Russell Wilson doesn't have a front-side pass rusher in his face as soon as he drops back like he did for so many years before when Effetti was their right tackle. Ethan Posick has moved from guard and backup guard and center, guard and tackle to center to replace Justin Britt, and that has worked out swimmingly for them. They had signed BJ Finney from the CR from the Steelers, thinking he was going to be the new center, but Posick beat him out, and so much so that Finney never played, and they traded him to Cincinnati in the Carlos Dunlop deal last week. Hmm. And they have a new right right guard. The entire right side of their line is new. Damian Lewis, rookie third round pick from LSU, day one of training camp has been the starter, and he's been solid. So their pass protection is better, which is why Wilson is throwing on time and allowing Metcalf and Lockett and David Moore to get open longer in patterns. It used to be just street ball improv football when Wilson threw it when he didn't have pass protection, and now he's got better protection more often. He's also, I believe, fourth in the league in uh, yards per attempt. You know, he's up there, whatever it is. But he he's throwing the ball deep. They like to strike. They like to go downfield uh, and stretch the field. Um, you know, which guy is it though? Is it DK? Is it Tyler Lockett? Is it pick whichever one you want? Uh, talk about their skill sets a little bit for you for me, Greg, because they seem to complement each other really well. Yeah, DK Metcalf. There's nobody in the league that's six four, two thirty, runs a four three, and has a forty four inch vertical leap. There's not. 
And and that really is what it comes down to. Wilson can throw it up knowing he's Metcalf is going to get the ball physically over defensive backs in every one-on-one matchup. Wilson is a very exquisite, accurate thrower deep. Uh, his balls are right on to the hands, away from coverage. Uh, he is very good at deep balls. He just hasn't always had the time to throw those, but now he has. Mm-hmm. Metcalf is just a physical mismatch in Seattle's favor. Of course, he had a neck injury at Ole Miss, and a lot of teams thought he wasn't an NFL-ready receiver. He had a college doctor tell him he'd never play football again a few months before the draft. Mm-hmm. Drafted, uh, traded back into the second round and drafted him, and everyone said he was a one-trick go-route runner only in Mississippi, and they didn't. he can run a route tree. They were really surprised at how polished he was from day one as a route runner. Uh, he's all that and more. It will not surprise me if he's an all-pro, if not this year or next year. He's tied for with Lockett and touchdown catches with seven. He's fourth in the league in yards per catch, second in yards, yards per game. They He's the home run threat that Russell Wilson trusts for. They spent time in Mexico this offseason. Wilson taught him how to swim. They became like brothers. He's still only 22. Having said all of that, Sal, the most dangerous part of Tyler Lockett's game is the improvisational – when the plays break down – he is uncanny at knowing where Wilson's going to go with the ball, when he's going to throw it. Defenders don't know it's coming. He breaks off routes, and Wilson knows where he's running, and Lockett knows where the ball's going. Metcalf is the on-time scheduled receiver. Lockett is when the all-hell breaks loose receiver. And it still happens occasionally that all-hell breaks loose with Seattle's offensive line. Lockett is almost uncoverable when it is improv extended plays. Tell me about the running back situation as far as injuries and who's going to be available and what they bring to the table Sunday. Well, so far, the top three running backs are still hurt. I was out of practice about a half hour ago, and the top three running backs remain hurt. Travis Homer's the number three. He's usually the third down blocking pass catching back. A chance to come back, bruised knee. I don't think Chris Carson's playing. Sprained foot. Uh, he didn't play last week. He hasn't been on the practice field for two and a half weeks. I don't think Carlos Hyde is playing because of a hamstring injury. He missed the last week and the week before. They are probably just going to have Travis Homer and DJ Dallas, the rookie fourth-round pick from Miami, who got his first start and two touchdowns last week, first two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Because of that, off the top of your question, and I heard you saying how the Bills can beat Seattle, because of that, I don't expect Seattle to have a run as much in the, running, in the game plan. They don't extend. P. Carroll wants to run. He can't run right now. He doesn't have the backs, and he's got a quarterback at the top of the league and throwing in a line that's pass protecting. They'll run that they have to. DJ Dallas had 18 carries last week after they got the lead against San Francisco. But I expect this to be another game that they're throwing it all over the lot, especially with the weather being as well as it is. So, you know, as I was saying earlier, a couple of things. The Bills, as uh, when they played the Kansas City Chiefs, that's what they did. They basically said, hey, we're going to take away Tyreek Hill. We're going to take away the big play. And they did a good job of that. I mean, Mahomes only threw for 225, but the Seahawks just ran all – I mean, sorry, the Chiefs just ran all over them because of that. The other thing is the Bills have been very, very good. They're usually one or two in the league under McDermott and Frazier of not allowing the big play. And they've only allowed one pass play the entire season over, over 40 yards, and that was a, a short catch and a long run that actually happened. So if they employ that strategy, given what you just said about the run game, are the Seahawks equipped to be patient, take what's underneath, and just kind of go down the field methodically? And that's where Lockett can beat you. Yes, I think so. Uh, Buffalo, I know the, the run defense hasn't been as you mentioned the Kansas City game. I just don't think Seattle has 
the horses in the run game right now to challenge that. If, if Carson was available and playing, I'd say that, yes, a large part of the game plan would be to run. They don't trust D.J. Dallas down in and down out in key situations. There was a third and two play in Arizona with Carlos Hyde that would have won the game in regulation if he'd gotten two yards. And the rookie right guard I just quote about, Damian Lewis, went the wrong way. Uh, they are proven so far that they're more consistent pass blocking. And, right. and when they need to make a play, they're going to do it in the air. And especially without Carson and without Hyde. Uh, I hear you with how Buffalo's game plan should be, and I expect the same thing. I expect the Seattle to throw anyway. Yep. Yep. And, and Greg Olson has been banged up. He's got a foot injury, didn't practice yesterday. He may or may not play, but they've got four tight ends they can go to. Uh, Homer, if he's healthy, is a good pass receiver out of the backfield. But Tyler Lockett underneath of the deep threat of DK Metcalf is where I think this could be another big Tyler Lockett game like he had two weeks ago in Arizona. Craig Bell from the News Tribune. You can follow him on Twitter at GBellSeattle. Join me here on South Sports Live and the South Sports and Stuff podcast. All right, on the defensive side, Greg, you know, are the numbers deceiving because teams are just having to play catch up and having to go to shootouts with them, or are they really struggling in some areas and that's where really maybe the Bills can make some moves here? No, in some ways they're worse than their numbers defensively. Mm. Last week was the first week, Sal, that they had a defense show up at all, and that's because they blitzed. And they blitzed Bobby Wagner, and Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't escape that blitz. They're, as you, I don't have to tell Bills fans, they are going to get a far different challenge than Josh Allen, who can run, who can extend plays, get outside, and has an arm that Jimmy Garoppolo does not. There is a much different challenge blitzing if they want to blitz like they did last week, which I think they're going to because Jamal Adams is going to play. He hasn't played in more than a month. And the thing he does best, I don't tell AFC East fans, the thing he does best is blitz, and that's what Seattle needs him to do. Seattle's front four has been awful for two and a half years pressuring the quarterback. Uh, their defensive line has just seven sacks in seven games, which is why they traded for Carlos Dunlap, who's going to make his Seattle debut on Sunday. Seattle, Pete Carroll doesn't want to blitz, but they've figured out the last few times they blitzed that that's the way to pressure you get any pressure to help the front four. I just think that blitzing Josh Allen is going to be a challenge for these guys. And and we saw you saw early in the season how many big plays Buffalo had in the past game deep down the field yep. and I think Buffalo is going to have chances for that again against the secondary that's given up huge plays and that the only way to to pressure quarterbacks is blitzing. Uh, on Jamal Adams, do you think he'll be on a pitch count of some sort first game back or do you th expect him to really kind of just be out there regularly? No, I think he will be. Carroll has even said he usually doesn't say that stuff, but he's kind of intimated that he probably Adams probably will be. Uh, he they've found a couple defensive backs since he's been hurt, and and Ryan Neal, who was a practice squad player who started four games, his first four games in the NFL career, and they really liked him at strong safety for Adams. You could see him staying in that position, and maybe Adams getting fewer snaps than he normally would in the start. But Adams is the type of guy that once he's on the field, it's going to be hard to take him off. He's still trying to get the richest contract in the NFL for a safety and pass Buda Baker. His contract's up next year. I don't know how successful they're going to be to put him on the field and then try to get him off of it once he plays for the first time in a month. Seattle to go more five and six defensive backs than they have when Adams was out. They did it in Atlanta in the opener, went a lot of dime, more than Pete Carroll's defenses like to. But they do that so they can free Adams into more of a freelancing, blitzing, roaming type of safety. If you're only going to play four defensive backs, it's risky to give up Adam blitzing as much. So expect to see Ryan Neal as a nickel back. Um, and perhaps even if six defensive backs, if 
if some of their banged up DJ Reed is banged up and there's a banged up secondary nickel guys, but if they can get some of those guys back healthy, you may see five and six defensive backs more than you normally would from Seattle, just so it frees Jamal Adams up in the sub packages to blitz more. And on a play to play basis, generally, um, are they more of a man team? Are they more of a zone team? What kind of zone do they play? And the biggest reason I ask is we've seen, seen a shift in the way teams have played the bills. The first four weeks, it yeah. was a lot of man and the bills crushed them. They really did. They just teams couldn't, could not cover their group of receivers and Josh really was doing a great job. But since teams have gone zone on them, the bills have kind of struggled a little bit. So you just define what Seattle's problem schematically their, their decision is to make, because if they blitz more, usually that means more man. Now, I know you can zone blitz, but they don't really want to take Carlos Dunlap and put him in the flat and drop off some of their edge pass rushers and zone blitzes. So if they do decide to blitz Wagner, like they did last week against San Francisco and, Jamal Adams, as much as he likes the blitz and as good as he is at it, can they go man against Buffalo? Seattle's secondary, their cornerbacks have given up huge plays. Trey Flowers, Quentin Dunbar, Shaquille Griffin's probably not going to play because of concussion and and hamstring the Pro Bowl corner. So you're going to have Griffin and Flowers at your corners who have given up big plays all year. Part of the reason they went to more zone and dropping deeper end zones and less blitzing when Adams got hurt is because the Seahawks gave up 19 plays of 20 or more yards in the first four games. That's that's untenable. You can't do that and win games consistently. Since that time, they've dropped off and they haven't given up as many big plays, plays in front of them, and teams have had to drive it down the field. Miami, for instance, five field goals because once the field got short in the red zone, they couldn't score touchdowns. I think because of how successful they were blitzing last week and because Jamal Adams is coming back, you're going to see more man than you've seen Seattle play in the last month. And I think that's a dangerous combination with Josh Allen and Buffalo's offense. You're right. It's counter to what teams have done the last few weeks against Buffalo to hold them down is to do, to go, man. But they have to pressure the quarterback. You'll see when I, any quarterback gets five seconds to throw, he's going to beat any secondary. But you'll see stretches of this game, if they don't blitz, how much time Josh Allen has and how many plays he'll make. And if they do play man, one of the things Josh will do is he'll, he'll run because guys' backs are turning right. to take off. And especially right. – a Seahawks defense, like you said, if, they, if they're if they going to have linebackers on the field, they're not going to catch Josh Allen, basically, once he starts going. They think they have an, a fast one rookie, first-round pick Jordan Brooks from Texas Tech that can run down most quarter cornerbacks. He couldn't run down Kyler Murray. I mean, maybe there aren't a lot of people who can. But Josh Allen is of that ilk. I mean, he's maybe not as fast as Kyler Murray, but you're right. He's not a quarterback that you can really devote a spy to, nor would you want to, because he's not going to run him down anyway. That's what I mean at the top, off the top, about how different this challenge is for for Seattle. I, I think it's a dangerous challenge for them to blitz. Frankly, here on one hand, the only pressure they've been getting all year for two years is when they do blitz. But against Buffalo, if you blitz, you're you're in trouble to give up bigger plays that Allen can find you. Well, you guys in Seattle are used to these high-scoring games and winning yeah. up. Well, we're not so much used to them. They did have one against the Rams this year that they won, but uh, they have not played. I just went back and looked. The Bills played. That was their only game that even went into the 60s in three seasons. They hadn't had one uh, since uh, Sean McDermott really took over. Um, 2017 was the first year, but 18 and 19, they didn't do it. So this is new territory for Bills fans. They're better equipped for it, but it kind of scares people to say, oh, my God, can we win a shootout here? <laughs> You're about to see another 30 30- 30-30 game. I agree. Uh, I think it's going to be a 34-31, 31-35, 30 type of game. Uh, that's the way Seattle's built right now. Russell Wilson to outscore everybody. And that's why they're 6-1 and one is because so far Wilson's been able to do that. Uh, the San Francisco game being the anomaly, they was 30-7 to seven early in the fourth quarter before garbage time, three touchdowns in garbage time by Nick Mullins, the backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. 
other than that, they have had to outscore everybody. And I think that's what's going to happen on Sunday. All right. Last thing before I let you go, I know get some media duties. Anything on special teams we need to be aware of? There's a rookie kicker here in Buffalo, so we're always kind of thinking about that. But they also have one of the best, if not the best, return man in the game, and Andre Roberts uh, returning punts. So, you know, in the, for the Bills, there is a little bit of a storyline on special teams. What about Seattle? Seattle special teams uh, really just come in very conservatively, secure possession. And you'll see Tyler Lockett get back in punt returns when the key situations of the game, simply to fair catch the ball and make sure he catches it or to make the right decision on when to let it bounce. Otherwise, David Moore is returning the third wide receiver, does their returns. But they really have not. They've de-emphasized trying to make big plays. They've done really well covering kicks. They have what I think is going to be an all-pro punter again this year in Michael Dixon. He was an all-pro as a rookie two years ago, and he's having an even better year this year. The stuff that Aussie can do with the ball, the way it bounces once it hits, it's amazing. It is. It, it's a really fun to watch. If punting's fun to watch, Michael Bennett or uh, Michael Dixon makes it fun to watch. Uh, they haven't tried many field goals. I think it's four on the year by Jason Myers because their offense has been so successful in getting into the end zone instead. Uh, but a very conservative return game for Seattle. I wouldn't expect big plays there. All right, Greg, listen, honestly, this was really good. Great insight. Really fun. I appreciate it. This was terrific. And um, are you flying in tomorrow or sa uh, Saturday? Yeah, I actually have to fly in tomorrow, Friday, because the state of New York's requiring I get a COVID test on Saturday. Oh, yeah, there you go, man. What a New York. Uh, get this. I, got, I, I have to drive to Oswego to get a rapid result test. Oh, my gosh. That's the only one I could find. So I'm going to be spending the uh, – I'm going to spend Saturday on the New York State Thruway driving to Oswego and back. Um, and as you know, this will be the first time that the Seahawks have played in this stadium since 2008, which is the – Russell Wilson's never played. It's the last stadium Russell Wilson's ever played in beside the new ones. He may go uh, He may go his entire career without ever playing actually in front of Bills fans, which is crazy. Toronto, <laughs> right? I mean, like, I mean, if you count yeah. them, but, you know, he'll come here with no fans allowed in the stadium. He could, true. It's going to be another eight years. I mean, I, he could still be playing, but it's going to be crazy. So, yeah, I wish the fans were here in Buffalo for this one. 70 degrees and sunny for a six. I know. And you have great fans. I, I used to be the Raiders beat writer for the Sacramento Bee. I've been to Rich Stadium. I, I love that place. I love how you drive a two-lane county road to get out there, and all of a sudden there's an NFL stadium. It's great. The pasture. I, I, love, I love the people out there, the passion. I grew up outside of Pittsburgh, so I have a respect for the, the blue-collar ethic of Western New York and uh, – uh, yeah, it is a shame that fans can't be there in a game like this. Should be a good one. Well, Greg, uh, safe travels here. Enjoy the weather. Enjoy the wings when you get. <laughs> I'm telling you, Sal, I am pumped about the weather, man. I'm going to Buffalo to get good weather. It's. it's I know. I'm playing golf. Playing golf in November. In Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> and then I might do it next week. It's going to be 71 on it's Monday and Tuesday still. <laughs> Come on, hey man. Thanks again. I really appreciate it. Enjoy, uh, enjoy your weekend here, and, and uh, safe travels. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Take care. Hey, you're, welcome. you're welcome. That is Greg Bell uh, from the from the Tribune. What is it? The News Tribune. There you go. The News Tribune, Greg Bell. That was really good. That was great insight, by the way. Incredible. And I am now I'm even more pumped for the Bills and what they might be able to do on offense. I mean, that was really cool how he explained what's going on on this in the Seattle secondary and how they're going to have to pick what they want to do against the Bills. If they want to play zone like other teams have and kind of held the Bills down a little bit, then you know they might they're they're going to be challenged in their own right doing that. But if they want to blitz, which is what makes them made them a little better last week, they might have to play man to man, and they could get really beat on that. So they're going to have to kind of really choose, pick your poison, if you will, against the Bills. I'm just super excited after what I heard right there about maybe the chances of the Bills 
scoring a lot of points. I already was. I already thought they could get to the 30s. I think they can now, even more so, after listening to Greg. That was really, really good. All right. A couple other things before I let you out of here. Um, you heard Greg mention it. Pete Carroll. He coached in Buffalo in 1984. Bills were 2-14. and 14. They were bad. But it was the start of his NFL coaching career. There was a conference call we had with Pete earlier this week. And I was on. I said, what do you remember about coaching in Buffalo? He said, we lost a lot. You know, we were bad. Guys got fired, things like that. But he also mentioned, it was really interesting. It was just a really cool antidote that he said his first NFL game as a head coach was the Jets in 1992. And, or was it, I'm sorry, 94, 1994. And they won. They won here in Buffalo. And it was like, that was right after the Bills Super Bowl run. It was the first year they didn't go back to the Super Bowl. He said it was his most memorable win. Uh, you know, it was a regular season, I guess. He won a Super Bowl. His most memorable win as a head coach because of that, you know, getting his first win there. And he was also, you know, he said part of it was we, he, he was the defensive coordinator for the Jets for four years dealing with the K-Gun and Jim Kelly's offense through all those Super Bowl years, which was pretty remarkable to think about, right? Um, that he had to defend that. And then, you know, he won that game. He was really good to talk to. Uh, Pete Carroll was a lot of insight there. Um, but as Greg was saying, you know, he also kind of tipped his hat a little bit, maybe saying, tipped his uh, little tip there saying that maybe uh, Jamal Adams will be on a pitch count when they play at the Bills. So it should be a really interesting game. Like I said, the over-under now is 57, 57 and a half. That is a very high over-under, and I think it could surpass that given the weather. It's going to be amazing weather here in Buffalo, which is going to be awesome. Uh, the Bills are not accustomed to this. Fans aren't having their team in a position to say, we're going to go in and we're going to win a high-scoring game. But I think that's exactly what the Bills have to do. I think the mistake could be made. I don't want the Bills to do this. I think a mistake could be made if the Bills say, we're just going to slow down the game make the game shorter, I should say, make the game shorter, um, speed up the game, I guess you'd say. We're going to make sure that we keep their offense off the field so that they can't strike you know, and score a lot of points. We'll uh, run the ball a lot. I, I think that's a mistake by the Bills. To me, the way to win this game is attack, attack, attack. Go through the air. Let Josh do what he did the first four weeks with a healthy Stephon Diggs and John Brown and Cole Beasley and Gabriel Davis, because John Brown now has been at practice the last two games, last two days. Uh, today, I should say he's been a full participant. He was not yesterday, but he was a full participant today. Injuries are a story for the Bills right now, though. It looks like they're not going to have Matt Milano. At least it's trending that way. I don't know what the situation is there. I have a feeling that we might not see Matt Milano for a while. Maybe they'll have to put him on IR because he only had 19 snaps against the Jets, 15 against the Patriots. And now he's back hurt again, missing practice because of the pack. That's a serious injury. A lot of times you don't know what's going to happen there. So the Matt Milano storyline is becoming bigger and bigger, especially because the bills then also did sign Darren Lee from, uh, onto their practice squad. You wonder if something's going on there where they're getting him ready to maybe take that spot. I don't know. AJ Klein has not been a suitable replacement. We know that. I don't think this is the kind of game where AJ Klein is going to kill you though. I, you know, the way that the Seahawks structure is in their offense I don't think this is the kind of game where you're going to be worried about him necessarily having to cover guys. Yes, what, what Greg said, they are equipped to do a shorter passing game, but that's not really what they do, and they're not going to be a team that's going to really pound the ball at you time after time. So I don't think this is a game where it shows up like that. I'd like to see maybe Terrell Dodson get more of a chance and an opportunity as well, by the way, when he's healthy. He's not right now. I'd like to see that when he's healthy in place of Matt Milano. And then uh, you look, you think about Mitch Morris on the offensive line. Thankfully, the Bills do have John Feliciano back because Mitch Morris has not practiced a couple days in a row. He's still in the concussion protocol. So if you get if you get John Feliciano at center, if that's where you want him, if you get Cody Ford back, he can play left guard. He has practiced this week. 
If Cody Ford doesn't play, maybe Feliciano stays at left guard. Maybe you put Ryan Bates at center. There's some combinations there and some options there for the Bills and what they want to do. So, you know, we'll see where the Bills go with all of this. All right, tonight, Thursday night football, it is the uh, Niners with a huge COVID list hosting the Green Bay Packers. I got to tell you guys, I don't know what happened in the NFL where we went from, hey, we got a few guys on the COVID list, so we got to change everybody's schedule to suddenly, hey, we got everybody in the COVID list, but we're still going to play a game. I mean, come on. The NFL is clearly showing their hand here. And what they're doing is they're saying, hey, we don't really have enough room to move around all these games and these schedules and things like that. So you know what? We just have to get the games in. And that's what they're doing tonight. The San Francisco 49ers are totally underhanded in this game against the Green Bay Packers. But it's a larger point. It's the COVID point. It's the schedule point. It's what they're doing, you know, getting these games in when just a few weeks ago we saw the Bills have a complete change of schedule over two weeks. We had, we saw games postponed, games moved from one night to another, one day to another, from one week to another, teams moving their bye weeks just because there were three or four guys that had a COVID contact possibly. And now it's, Hey, we're putting the entire offensive offense on COVID, but yet we're still going to play a game. It just doesn't make sense to me in a, it, it, it does make sense because I know what they're doing, but it's not logical to keep doing that. Right. It just doesn't make sense from a standpoint of it's inconsistent. I guess I'd say it's inconsistent with the message that the league wants to give, but I, we all see it. It's in plain sight why they're doing it this way. What is the, uh, I don't even know what the line is tonight. I got to check on that. But either way, how can you not take the Packers, right? I mean, against this underhanded Niners group, maybe, maybe the Niners come out and the, hey, look, the Packers, they gave up a ton of running yards last week uh, to Dalvin Cook and the Minnesota Vikings. So, you know, we'll see what the Niners can do, but it is going to be super interesting. All right, Bills, Seahawks, Sunday. Anything else I need to get to as far as the, I'm waiting on the Seahawks injury report. We don't have that right now. Uh, you heard Greg talk about their top three running backs. All banged up right now. We'll see exactly who does play. We do know that it looks like Jamal Adams is going to play uh, for Seattle in this game, and I and he's probably going to be on a pitch count, like I said. The Bills, uh, they started 4-0 against the division opponents after last week's win over the New England Patriots. That's the first time that's happened since 1991, so that's pretty cool. Also, here's something else. This is from Buffalo Bills PR. I'll read this to you. The Bills are one of only two teams, Atlanta is the other, to have at least 20 first downs in all eight games this season. You think the offense isn't playing well? It actually is playing pretty well in a lot of metrics. They're just not scoring as much as they were early in the season. I think that could come again this weekend. With 20 or more first downs against Seattle, the Bills would tie the second longest streak in team history of nine games, which is pretty crazy. So I don't think the offense played poorly at all last week. They just couldn't score points. You've got to get points against Seattle. You've got to get touchdowns. You can't settle for field goals. You can't trot Tyler Bass out there eight times in this game. you got to make sure you get into the end zone. Excuse me, five or six times. That's what you got to do. Also, one other one, another great stat for the offense here. The Bills currently lead the NFL by converting 51.6% of third downs on offense through the first eight games. They're the number one team in the league on third down conversion percentage. And the Seattle Seahawks are last in the league at defending the pass. That's right, last. 357 yards a game given up. I think that's where the Bills win this game. I think the Bills need to be aggressive, need to attack, get into a high-score game. Don't be afraid of it. Let Josh Cook, not let Russ Cook, let Josh Cook. That's what the Buffalo Bills need to do. Great insight from Greg Bell. I really appreciate him joining me on the program. I appreciate you watching. Maybe it was a distraction from all the election coverage. Maybe you needed something to just get away from all of that. So vote for Sal. I appreciate a vote for Sal right here on the program tonight. And of course, on the Sal Sports and Stuff podcast, if that's 
how you're listening in. So thank you very much. We'll talk to you again next Thursday at 7.30, hopefully back on schedule, but we'll see because it is it is another West Coast team. So if their media is having the same, you know, types of issues as far as scheduling, I'll, I'll move it if I have to, just to make sure we can get somebody from the other team's uh, media on. So we'll do that. But, you know, you'll see me on Thursday next week again, and then you'll hear me, of course, on the South Sports and Stuff podcast and on Howard and Jeremy, Friday morning. I'll be on tomorrow. I'm always on at 7 a.m. on Friday morning with them, so you can catch that. And, of course, it's the roundtable with Show Up with the Bulldog. Here's something for you. Before I go, i got to let you know. So the roundtable with Show Up with the Bulldog, uh, 5 to 6 on Friday this week, it's going to be streamed right here, just like this. Not on this page, the WGR Facebook page. You're going to see Bulldog, you're going to be show, see Shope, and you're going to see me. Yes, I'm not kidding you. We're all going to be in our separate places. I'll be right here with this background behind me. You're going to see Shope at the studio. You're going to see Bulldog in his attic with his guitars. We're all going to be talking on the round table, five to six on Friday. Thanks a lot for joining me here on South Sports Live. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.